Psalm 119 in your Bibles. God bless you, Skyler. <laughs> Psalm 119, I want you to notice again, really a, a very familiar emphasis stated not only here, but maybe surprisingly to you throughout the Word of God. Verse 55 says, I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night, and have kept thy law. Verse 62 says, At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Midnight. That one time, that one transition in a day, when both hands on the clock are pointing straight up. That time when for a moment, a military clock could actually read zero, zero, colon, zero, zero. It is the direct opposite of noon, marking obviously both the beginning and the ending of a day. And yes, this mention of midnight in a spiritual context is repeated throughout the Word of God. In the psalmist world, as you probably know, a new day began at sunset. And midnight would occur exactly six, year, six hours after that moment. It's the reason why David wrote, for example, in Psalm 55, Evening and at morning and at noon will I pray. Evening is mentioned first because it was first in David's economy. Either way, midnight then and midnight now is exactly the same. So that you see verse 62 is a little bit different than David's earlier resolve. And also, by the way, Daniel's who, who decided that he would pray three times a day. Midnight is not evening. It is not morning. It is not noon. Midnight is an extraordinary hour in the world's eyes, an extraordinary time for someone to sing and to pray to God. And yet that is exactly, precisely, you remember what Paul and Silas do. They're sitting in a prison in Acts 16, and it says, At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Jesus said in Matthew 25, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. And in the same chapter, he said, And at midnight there was a cry. A cry made that said, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. The midnight cry, yes, and the midnight prayer, and the midnight song, and the midnight praise. And in Acts 14, you may remember, the midnight promise that none of them would perish on that ship in the storm. Midnight, beloved, think about it. Matter of fact, think about what you were doing almost exactly 12 hours ago at midnight, or what you will be doing tonight about six hours, or 12 hours from now at midnight. Well, folks, whatever it was, and whatever it will be, God has a message in that, I promise you, for you today and now. Let's pray. Father, please help us today. And Lord, I ask you that you would help all distractions to be put aside, set aside, so that we can hear today what the Spirit saith to the church. Thank you for all of these scriptures, all of these reminders, these inspired moments when someone you wanted to write words about the midnight hour. Speak to our hearts because of it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Three things the midnight hour is obviously most noted for, and our text sheds light upon. 
And the first one, of course, is that midnight is known, number one, for sleep, right? Obviously. Midnight is a time of slumber. You notice in verse 62, what does it say? It says, at midnight, I will rise. Well, rise from what? Rise from that sleep, number 360. Rise from that Tempur-Pedic cloud from City Mattress or the cot that you have at home, whatever it is. But you rise up at midnight because you're asleep. A few moments ago, I asked what you were doing 12, years, 12 hours ago at midnight. And unless you were working, you were probably, possibly sound asleep and thus oblivious to the world around you. And the chances are you don't want to be bothered when you're asleep at midnight. You don't want the phone to ring only to find out that it was spam risk or some such thing and wake you out of sleep. You don't want to knock at the door at midnight and there's two Jehovah's Witnesses just wanting to talk to you or independent Baptist for that matter. You don't want to knock at the door. You don't want the neighbors barking incessantly because of a cat walking by. You don't want your wife saying, honey, I heard a noise. Wake up, wake up, wake up. I know it's midnight, but go, would you go check on us? Louise did that one time, many times, one time years ago. We go downstairs, go check on us. It's fine. I heard it too. It's, it's okay. No, I won't be able to sleep if you don't check on it. So I went down. Of course, it was nothing. Went back upstairs. She was sound asleep. She slept fine. Me and the murderer are downstairs and she fell asleep. So whatever. <coughs> You don't want to be awakened at midnight. Why? Because that's your time. It's the time when you indulge, if you will, in necessary, self-gratifying, self-invigorating sleep. And in civilized societies, it's just an accepted rule. You just don't call up and borrow some sugar from your neighbor at midnight or ask a question. Or say, hey, I have a joke I want to tell you. It's the midnight hour. You're sleeping. And people respect that. But... Here's the truth. Last night at midnight, and tonight at midnight, and every night at midnight, no matter who is sleeping, no matter who is slumbering, there is one who would love to hear from you. In Psalm 121, just a couple pages, I want you to look at this. It says in verse 3, He will not suffer, not allow thy foot to be removed. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The psalmist says, while everyone else is asleep at the midnight hour, I'm going to rise out of my slumber to give praise and thanksgiving to the one who never sleeps. And you know, among a lot of things, it's just a reminder to me personally that we serve a God who's not only worthy of our praise and our gratitude at noon or at night or in the morning. But in fact, every hour of every day, even the midnight hour when the day begins and the day ends, even then God is worthy of our praise. In other words, Bible Christianity is not an eight-hour-a-day proposition or assignment. Christianity is not a Sunday morning only proposition our Lord Jesus and God as God watches over us and guides us and hears us and commands us 24 hours a day in a few moments it's going to be midday in several hours it's going to be midnight and in both cases in all cases the Lord Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord of your life and he's worthy of that hour
I remember one time seeing a bumper sticker. I pulled up and there's a red light and I saw the bumper sticker and it said, remember the weekday to keep it holy. And I rolled my window down and said, amen to that. You see, that's the difference between Christianity and religion. Religion is a part-time effort designed to know God's rules. In Christ, however, God knows you. And it's a relationship that encompasses every moment of your life. Gary has a son named Andrew. Fine, fine young man. And here at 11.30 a.m. on Sunday morning, that father-son relationship is evident. And you know what? It will be just as real tonight at midnight. Relationships are not affected by the clock or the day of the week, such as Sunday. And beloved, at midnight tonight, while you sleep and you rest, your God is watching over you. And if you want to, or if you need to, you can rise at midnight and talk to Him and praise Him and He will listen at midnight. Midnight is a time of sleep, but not for the God of glory, not for your Father. The second thing about midnight I want you to notice, number one, we said it's a time of sleep. Number two, it's also a time of sorrow. Look at verse 61. The bands of the wicked, that's not ACDC, the bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Midnight is a time of sorrow. You know, I remember years ago reading that the huge success of late night radio shows, and especially call-in shows and all-night call-in shows in particular, the reason why they were enormously popular is that late at night there are millions upon millions of American citizens who are lonely. These are hurting and troubled people. And therefore, they can't sleep, and they have no one to turn to, really, except these midnight callers. And so they do the best they can by simply finding some sort of fellowship on the radio. You know, I read about that, and I remembered all those nights in college when I worked the night shift at UPS all night long, as a welder all night long. And I remember how that's a completely different world at night. You stop in an all-night restaurant and you will see people in there, invariably lonely souls, sitting at tables, staring straight ahead and just sipping their coffee there alone. Every tavern I remembered in Chicago, as I would arrive at UPS, 1 a.m., every tavern was full and had a broken heart. Hospital waiting rooms, I can testify as a pastor and a husband. At midnight and beyond, it's not unusual to see troubled, grieving souls, families, really on a death watch in many cases. I can't tell you how many times at midnight I've received a phone call. And I know that when I look at the phone at midnight and it's a church member, something's wrong. Almost always. Someone on the other end is weeping and needing help or comfort. People don't sleep when tragedy strikes. People don't sleep when a war begins. When their heart is broken, 
That text in Psalm 127, it was Solomon who said, it is vain to sit up late and eat the bread of sorrows. It is vain. And it's empty. And yet thousands and thousands of people in Palm Beach County did exactly that last night. Midnight is a time of sorrow. But wait a minute. Remember that text I mentioned earlier from Acts chapter 16? Because you know what, folks? If anybody ever had reason to sorrow at midnight, it was Paul and Silas. Notice what it says on the screen in Acts chapter 16. I'll read it to you. It says, And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. They stripped their clothes off. This is Paul and Silas. And they beat them. And as they had laid hold, laid hold many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging or commanding the jailer to keep them safely. Don't let them escape. Verse 24, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. You know, he's concerned. I don't want them to get loose on my watch. So I'm going to put them in the solitary place, the worst place. And then it says he made their feet fast in the stocks. You may remember that the Jews in Paul's day outlawed the beating of any criminal with a cat of nine tails more than 40 times. 40 plus one was considered cruel and unusual punishment. And so to be on the safe side, the Jews, the Hebrews, limited the lashes, any lashes that they might have, and they, the Romans agreed to this, to 39 stripes. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. That's 40 minus one. However, the Romans in Philippi didn't have those restrictions. That's why it doesn't tell us here. Many, it says, they could beat you as much as they wanted. And these are Romans citizens in Acts 16. And you know what? For me, undoubtedly, this is one of the times that Paul referenced when he said that he was beaten, quote, above measure. Beyond the measure of 40 stripes. You know, these were innocent men. This was unrighteous judgment. This was without justification. They put them in this pitch black dungeon with their feet bound in iron stocks. Imagine it. Backs lacerated and bleeding just for preaching the gospel. Clothes have been ripped, unable to move in this cold, hard cell, not knowing their fate. That's where they were. And just like David, Paul could say, the bands of the wicked have robbed me. And now it's midnight. Now it is that time when sorrow reaches its darkest pitch. And in an empire such as Rome, which was utterly without compassion or empathy, every prisoner there, slumbering in a pit of total grief, every prisoner except for two. Verse 25, and at midnight, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Wow. At midnight, they rose up and they sang praises to God. I have a question. 
For what? What are they praising God for? For man's wisdom and righteous judgment? For the fairness and the justices of life? Oh, no, no, no. Our text in verse 62 says, at midnight, look at it, I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. In other words, yes, midnight is a time of sorrow. And you know, the psalmist shed many a tear, as you know, during those late, late hours. But he had learned that God can be praised in the loneliest hour of life. Why? Because if man's injustices ever keep you from sleeping, God's holy justice gives you peace and rest. It is vain for you to stay up late. It is vain for you to rise up just to eat the bread of sorrows. Yes! But it's not vain to rise up at midnight to eat the bread of life. You know, there's an observation I made, or I read years ago from a preacher in Great Britain. He said these words, Did it ever occur to you that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of preaching to yourself? Paul and Silas at midnight preached to themselves. They didn't wallow. They worshipped. So that even at midnight, they understood that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Can you praise God when it's midnight? If you're saved, you can. I was thinking recently about the hymn, Now Thank We All Our God. For many people, it's their favorite Thanksgiving hymn of the year and the most popular. As you know, it's one that's filled with beautiful words of praise and adoration. Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done in whom His world rejoices. And from His mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love still is ours today beautiful. But I have a question. When do you suppose that Martin Rinkert wrote that wonderful hymn? Now thank we all our God. Was it during time of a bountiful harvest? A peaceful period of prosperity right after a huge victory? No, no. Martin Rinkert wrote that hymn in Germany during the midst of the Thirty Years' War when three times his little village had been invaded and sacked with almost everything materially destroyed, and over half of his congregation had been killed. That pastor decided one night that he needed to just pray. And on his knees, devastated, burdened, he prayed until midnight. And it was right at midnight during that prayer meeting that he rose up with a victorious spirit. And he sat down and immediately wrote, Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices. You see, one of the things that Elihu got right in the book of Job was when he said in Job 35, God giveth songs in the night. Martin Rinkert at midnight looked to God's righteous judgments. He looked at God's throne, not the thrones of men. 
He looked at God's goodness and not man's inconsistencies, and he got a song out of it. You do that at midnight, you can go back to sleep. I remember a few years ago, a pastor, most of you know him, he came to me at one of our church picnics. And he said to me, he said, Brother Jim, he says, I don't know how you sleep at night. I said, what do you mean? He said, I pastor a church of 40 people. And I stay awake at night just trying to figure out how to please all 40 of them and get all 40 of them to get along. I can't imagine, he said, trying to get 400 to get along and trying to please 400. And I said to him, 400. I don't have to please 400. I don't have to please 500. I only have to please three. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they always get along. Always. Man's fickle nature and our own fears, beloved, should never keep a believer up at night. The sorrow of midnight is the absolute norm for this world. But in Christ, it is also a time of song and praise. Again, it was midnight when Paul and Silas sang praises to God. And I love the last line of that verse. I'm going to read it to you. It says, At midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Yeah. And one of the men that overheard them, that man eventually, that midnight melody, he ran down to them and fell on his knees and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It reminds me of when our Lord hung on the cross and that darkness came upon him. Did you know that when, when that midnight, if you will, came upon the cross at Calvary and the sun was hidden and it was black at that moment, do you know that Jesus quoted the Psalms, Psalm 22, Psalm 51, his own midnight melody? And once again, a prisoner heard him, a thief, who heard all of the sayings of Jesus and he trusted the Lord so that, you know what, even in God's comfort, it's not just about you. And it's not just about me. It's not about us. It's about what God can do through us because we sing at midnight. This is the power of our text. You know, 2004 was an interesting year. You may remember the old Eastern curse. May you live in interesting times. <laughs> well, 2004 had four major hurricanes in six months hit Florida. It was super interesting. Charlie, Francis, Ivan, and Jean. Francis, you may remember, went right over us, right on top of us. I walked outside in the eye. Guess what time it went right over us? It was, it was midnight. Jean went right over us in the darkness at 3.30 in the morning. And with no electricity and no power and no sign light, it was midnight in more ways than one. I like telling hurricane stories four days after the official close of the hurricane season. Amen. <laughs> but you know what I did at midnight with Francis? Well, I prayed. The walls in that wood frame house in the Heights bulged so much that all of the master closet shelves came crashing down. Just and it was weird. It was weird hearing it and then seeing it with just a flashlight. What's going on? So yeah, at midnight, I prayed 
And I didn't pray to Al Gore. I didn't focus on my chakra. I didn't cross my fingers and wish for the day. I talked to the one who spoke to Paul in a storm in the book of Acts at midnight and said to him, fear not. That next year, 2005, Hurricane Rita, Katrina, Wilma. Yeah, that year. Remember, we got all the way to the W's. Wilma. And I remember we were sitting in our home and you could hear the barrel tiles. One after another. We didn't know what it was at first. What's that noise? Slash. Crashing to the ground. You know what I did? I crossed my fingers. I remember Andy called me up. He was at college at Crown. He said, Dad, guess what? It's beautiful up here. The fall leaves. I said, you know, we're in a storm. Oh, you need someone to help me with the shutters? Yeah, now I need you to help me with the shutters. (laughs) It didn't matter how dark it was. I knew that God was hearing me. And we knew as we prayed together that he heard our cry. It's a time of sorrow. It's a time of sleep. The third thing that midnight Praise gives special significance. That number three is also a time of sin. Right? The witching hour, Satan's hour, it's sometimes called, Satan's dawn. It's a time when taverns and nightclubs are hopping. They're full. Criminals prowl and lie in wait. The Bible says men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And so it's the midnight hour that Evil men and women sow seeds of wickedness that they will reap in the whirlwind. Midnight is a time of sin, and Satan would have you to believe that in America's midnight hour, that you have reason to fear and dread and despair for all of this darkness. That evil men and seducers who are waxing worse and worse, so that the best thing for you to do is just close your doors, lock your windows, and never come out. No. Do you know that my Bible says nothing about fleeing from the devil? Flee youthful lust? Of course, that's you. But the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Midnight in our society may be a time of sin, but where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. Instead of being afraid in the midnight hour, In the spiritual sense, beloved, what we as believers ought to do is praise God in the midnight hour. Still, Pastor? You know, you see how dark it is in the world? We're supposed to praise God and pray even in the darkness? Oh yeah, I'll remind you what Paul said in Romans 13. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light and walk as in the day. What's that mean? Walk as if it were day. As if it was sunrise. In other words, for the Christian, midnight is no different than high noon because we are the light of the world. And because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. It might be midnight in American society. In fact, I think it is. But it's dawn in the Christian soul. Years ago, I spent several hours riding in a, in a cruiser with a sheriff's deputy. It was 6 p.m. to 3 a.m., a ride-along. 
And I remember every minute as it grew darker and darker, it got weirder and weirder out there. Street corners were getting active. All these sketch people were coming out and out of their hiding and all the little nightclubs were filling up. We drove by. You know, I looked into the empty faces of those poor people and they were empty for all of their having fun and revelry. And I saw the sadness in their eyes. I did. I saw the loneliness and the pain. He arrested a couple of people that night that was behind all of that night revelry at midnight. At midnight, I remember in that cruiser, I gave praise and thanks to God. I did. I thanked God that there, but by the grace of God, go I. And I thank God that by His mercy, I no longer have to stumble. Stumble in that darkness. And neither do you. The next time when it's late at night and you're still awake, think about that for a few moments. Think about at 2 a.m. or 1 a.m. what people in the world are doing and grasping for and just not finding joy or happiness or fulfillment. Getting arrested, getting caught, getting in trouble, getting hurt. Think about that for a few moments and then think about all the lost people you know who are in bondage to sin. And then pray for them. And then praise God that you're not one of them. Give thanks to God for His righteous judgments. Don't talk to yourself. Preach to yourself. Fanny Crosby, the beloved hymn writer, was completely blind, as you know, for over 80 years. In one of her familiar hymns, this faithful woman who lived in darkness, think of that, lived in physical darkness. She wrote an interesting stanza. I think about it often when we sing it. The stanza says, I know I shall see in his beauty, I shall see in his beauty, the king in whose law I delight, who lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. Think about all of the songs that God gave that woman in her perpetual physical darkness, who giveth me songs in the night. One of the most famous poems ever written was John Keats' Ode to a Nightingale. He wrote it one night after he was on his porch and he was listening to these these birds singing and he was in awe of these birds that would sing at night. Well, beloved, I am in awe that God giveth us, that God giveth his own songs in the night. Let's think about Paul in Acts chapter 20 and I'll close with this. The Bible says he was preaching in a house church there in Troas, and it was the Lord's Day. It was Sunday. It was a three-story house. And the Scripture says that as Paul preached, he continued his preaching, his speech, until midnight. All right? No complaining. Amen? If I go past noon. In the first century, there's no electricity. There's no air conditioning. And so you have these oil lamps burning Dark into the night. And so it's getting stuffy and the oxygen in the air is getting depleted. And there's this teenage boy. And the Bible says he's sitting up in one of the sills on the inside of the house on the third floor. And he starts to fall asleep. 
His name was Eutychus, which is Hebrew for Ben Farmer. Amen? Just kidding. (laughs) And sure enough, Eutychus fell asleep. And he fell down off the third floor right there in front of everyone. Boom. And died. You talk about midnight sorrow and midnight panic. Paul's going to get sued. Or he's going to get thrown in jail again. And guarantee you, the parents are going to blame Paul. Who preaches to midnight? It's his fault. Can't call 911. No local hospital. So at midnight, Paul despairs. No. He says something. We'll see in a moment. But he prays. The Bible says he goes and he prays. And by the grace of God, that boy was raised to life again. In fact, after he was raised to life again, read it. It says they then had communion, and then Paul continued to preach until the sun came up. I bet nobody fell asleep during those next few hours. (laughs) But here's what Paul admonished them at midnight when it happened. These were his words. Trouble not yourselves. At midnight, with this tragedy. Trouble not not yourselves. Next time you can't sleep and it's because you're despairing or heartbroken, fearful, have questions, sin is grieving you, the country, whatever. Think about Paul's words at midnight, trouble not yourselves. Think about the psalmist who said at midnight I was rise. Don't lay there and just talk to yourself. I will rise and give thanks And praise God. Because He's the God of every hour. And then, somebody will hear that praise. Maybe not then and there. They will see your heart in this midnight hour of our country. And they will wonder in their heart, what must I do to be saved? They will want to say to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you go to your kingdom. Our heads are bowed, please, and our eyes are closed. No one moving, please, for just a moment. I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night. What do you remember in the night? The name of God, which is a strong tower. At midnight I will rise and give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Oh, pastor, you see see what they're doing in our government and our courts. What about God's righteous judgments? You can be grateful for those. You can sing about those. You can rest your heart upon those. Pastor Blaylock, I'm here today and I'm saved by God's grace, but I needed this reminder today. I promise you, you will need it. I need this reminder, and God has spoken to my heart as a child of the living God. And as a testimony to that, I may be asking for prayer. Who would raise your hand where you are? Raise it where you are. God bless you, and I raise mine. And yes, and yes, and yes, and amen, and amen. Somebody here today is not saved. The word saved is a Bible word. The choir sang a moment ago to rescue a sinner like me. That's being saved from sin, saved from hell. Salvation. Somebody here today, someone listening, is not saved. And to you, I would say you should be afraid at midnight. Of course you should. You don't know where you're going to go when you die. If a hurricane comes over you at midnight, you should be afraid. Because your soul is not secure. I would be. 
If that's you today, you don't know that you're saved, your sins are forgiven, that your name is written in heaven, could we pray for you? I won't embarrass you, I won't come to you, but I'd love to pray for you. If you're not sure that you've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, but you want to be sure, would you just raise your hand? Pastor, that's me. Just hold it up till I see it. God bless you, young lady. Someone else? I'm not sure that I'm saved today, but I want to be sure. Anyone else? God bless you. We're going to pray in a moment, have a time of invitation. Brother Terry will come and lead us. And as we sing together, Brother Kevin will be at the front. If you need to speak with someone, public decision, joining, baptism, or just kneel at the altar, whatever God is speaking to your heart about, I encourage you to obey his voice, won't you? Father, thank you again for your word. Lord, just the reminders we have over and over and over again that we need thee every hour. And these beautiful, powerful scriptures, Lord, that show us that at the worst time of the day in the world's eyes, it can be the best time of the day in a Christian's eyes. May we see that and may others see it in us and fear. Bless the invitation to that end. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.